Welcome to Outside by Design, the podcast about the business side of creativity in the outdoor industry. I talk to some of our industry's finest leaders, entrepreneurs, freelancers, and creatives about crafting a life and a career based upon being outside. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Outside by Design, the podcast where I talk about the business side of creativity with some of our industry's finest. Today, I am just honored to have Aisha Weinhold as our guest. And Aisha is the founder and executive director of No Man's Land Film Festival. She and her husband also co-own a gear shop in Carbondale, Colorado. So she just really gets after it. Um, I really enjoy talking to Aisha. She's she's just a cool, energetic person. I've never met her in person, and I'm excited to get to meet her someday. But she um, put together an all-women's film festival, so the films have to feature women. And um, Aisha and I talk all about the elite mindset and um, to stop calling out that brands are fulfilling diversity and to what it means to normalize that experience. Um, I think I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. She has a lot of good takeaways and advice for marketing managers and creatives or people who work in editorial about how to, you know, provide a more inclusive landscape in the outdoor industry. So check it out, take a listen, and uh, let us know what you think. So Aisha, thank you so much for being on the podcast today, and I'm stoked that you're here. Um, where Tell us where you're coming from and uh, what your setting looks like right now and where you are in the country. Totally. Yeah. So first, thank you for having me. I'm super psyched to be on. Um, I am based out of Aspen, Colorado, and right now my life is a little bit of an anomaly. Usually we live either in a van or in this 180 square foot apartment. And my husband and I share a single bunk bed. It's, it's very quaint. But right now for the last almost a year now, we've been house sitting for one of my clients. So we're house sitting in the nicest part of town in this giant mansion. So at the moment, I'm sitting at my kitchen island, looking out over the Roaring Fork River and Aspen Mountain with like Oh, I can't even really describe it with floor to ceiling windows and it's like a log cabin vibe. It's it's the best home office you could ask for. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I love Aspen. I grew up in Colorado and uh I've always had a good time every time I've gone to Aspen. Oh nice. Where in Colorado? Um, I grew up in Fort Collins and then lived in Crested Butte for quite a while. Oh, that's awesome. I'm from Carbondale originally and have like, I have best friends in CB and in Fort Collins and all over. So that's, that's awesome. I love Colorado gals. Yes, totally. Okay. So tell us a little bit about what you do now um, and what your, the work that you do with No Man's Land Film Festival and kind of how that journey looked for you. And if you ever thought that this was something you were going to create or you just kind of fell into it. So I'd love to hear your story. Awesome. Yeah. So I'm not unique in that I have a collection of jobs and No Man's Land is just my favorite. So my husband and I own a consignment gear store. I teach skiing in the winter, which is how I met the clients who have taken me in now. And then I also am on the board for Diversify Outdoors. Um, but my main gig and the one that I am the most passionate, most passionate about is No Man's Land. And we started in 2000. 
I always get the years wrong, but I'm pretty sure it was 2015 or it was 2014 slash 15, just because we were like, we're in September, so we're kind of cusping. Um, But the way that I started is initially I was inspired by Five Point Film Festival, which is a, a local film festival based out of Carbondale. And it's, it's amazing. They just had their 10-year anniversary. And one of my good friend's mom started it. So we'd go every year. And every year I was like, this is so – can I swear? Yeah, you can swear as much as you want. Oh, awesome. This is so fucked. There's no women in this entire program. And mind you, at this point, I'm like 10, 11, 12, 13. And, and I don't know – obviously, there was something awakened in me enough where, where I just would go to these – I was looking for mentorship just so adamantly and could not find it. And going to five point each year, I remember thinking every year, like, this is going to be the year. Like, I'm going to I'm going to meet this person or I'm going to see this person or I'm going to know that this is possible. Um, Because growing up in Carbondale and I'm sure that you had a similar experience in Fort Collins, it's everyone's a professional athlete or they should be. And so you grow up like with this elite mindset. But when you don't see anyone else doing what you're doing, it's definitely hard to stay motivated, especially for me when I was like 13 or 14 and was like, this is, where do I fit? This is crazy. Um, but then, so I like got the idea at five point and I thought that I wanted, I knew that that was a world that I wanted to be a part of. So for a while I went the route of trying to be a professional athlete and be a professional skier and quickly realized that that was not what I wanted to do. So I One of my other passions is like finding ways to get creative college credit. And so I sail, I found a sailing program and I was such a dum-dum, but the application said free if you apply April 15th. And I was like, oh my God, it's my birthday. I can sail across the Pacific for free. And I was so excited. And so I applied and I got in and I show up and they're like, hey, so you haven't you haven't paid. And I was like, I know I applied on my birthday. It's a sign. It's free. And they were like, no, no, no. Like the $20 application fee is waived. So figured all that out. And then sailed. I lived in, the program was based out of Cape Cod in Falmouth. So like outside of Boston. And we sailed for one semester from California to Hawaii. And we spent 40 days at sea. You don't see anything. Um, and part of that is you go on bow watch at every four hours and the kids in my watch, I don't, they weren't as psyched on bow watch as I was just cause you're like alone. It's pretty intense and you kind of start to lose your mind. Um, and so I get left up there pretty often. And for this particular stretch, it was the middle of the night. You're staring into the darkness. Everything sounds scary. And, um, I, I'm not religious per se. I was raised Buddhist. So like this makes no sense, but I, it's the the closest thing that I could liken to a divine calling. I literally was like, I'm going to start an all female adventure film festival. It's going to be called no man's land. And the logo should look like this. And I went back in after bow watch. I mean, I was literally left there for like two and a half hours and no one thought to come get me. And I was super excited. And that was and that was really the beginning of the end. So I like found ways to like, to start running the film festival while, while I was still in college and like, of course, like get college credit for it. Um, 
and so to the, I graduated in 2017 and I took seven years to go to school because I teach skiing in the winter and then go to school in the summer or in the fall. And so 2015, we launched it and I graduated in 2017 and, and I've just kind of been winging it ever since. <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> That's quite the story. Yeah. It's, I'm, I can't believe it happened. Like I'm still in disbelief. Like how lucky was I to, to just have like what I'm supposed to be doing or what I like doing, just an idea slap me in the face and then have it be successful. Like I'm pretty, it, it feels pretty amazing. What did you study in school? I double majored in adventure education and environmental science. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I'm like kind of using my degree too, which is an anomaly. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that, that's quite the path. Um, where did you, where'd you meet your husband in all that? Well, so we, little beknownst to me, we've met multiple times. We like met when I was 19, when I was 20, when I was like 13 and he remembers, but I don't remember. Um, but we actually reconnected at the store that we now own together. And I, I went in and he was like flirting with me on the couch and my two of my best friends work there too. So I left and I called him and I was like, oh, I can't believe that Steve is flirting with me. Like he has a girlfriend. I'd be so mad if my boyfriend did that. Like da, 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 da. And he was like, oh, Steve doesn't have a, Steve doesn't have a girlfriend. And I was like, yes, this is, that was like, I guess my sideways way of figuring it out. And so <laughs> our first date, we went on a 10 day climbing trip to the winds and then we got engaged five. He moved out to Arizona where I was going to school. Um, and we bought a van and lived in the van in the college parking lot for a semester. And then on our six month anniversary, we got married. Wow. And it was awesome. Yeah. So you are the type of person that just gets an idea, loves it, goes with it, confident in it and goes all in. Yeah. I guess you could say that. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's a special trait for sure. Thank you. I definitely go down in flames more often than I would like to admit, but those are two successes. (laughs) (laughs) So now let's kick it over to some commercials. Do you feel like you have nothing in common with traditional ad agencies? Do you count time in powder days and desert trips? Do you own or work for a company that's heavily involved in the outdoor industry? And mostly, do you like measurable results that you can understand delivered by people who understand you? Hey, congratulations, you just found your brand's favorite adventure partner. That's right, I'm talking about those nerds over at wheeliecreative.com. W-H-E-E-L-I-E, like a bike doing a wheelie. Wheelie Creative, it's a creative agency for people who thrive outside. Wheeliecreative.com, check them out. But wait, you may be thinking, Lisa, isn't this your company? Yes. Yes, it is. And I have to pay my employees to edit this podcast right now. And so that means that you get to listen to a commercial about it. WheelieCreative.com. Marketing made fun. Nice. So uh, how how's it going at No Man's Land Film Festival these days? What's going on there? And what's it look like now that it's too two years old, three years old, four years old, four years old. Yeah. It'll be four in September. Nice. Four years old. So 
we've had kind of an internal shift. So for a while we had a staff of four um, and I love hiring people that are really excited about other things, which I've learned if they're really excited about other things, they might choose to go do those other things. So right now we transitioned from four people to two people, to myself and Kathy, who's our program director, or excuse me, is our tour director. And she's amazing. Um, but right now we're prepping for our flagship festival, which is in Carbondale, September 13th through the 16th. And last year we did our first four day festival. And so we do like meetups and panels and workshops and we have guest speakers and obviously we have films. We have a pitch fest where filmmakers can, can win money for their film project. So we're, we're working on that right now. Um, and yeah, it's, it's all very exciting. And this is our, again, like our second year doing the four day festival. And before, like I ran it, I think May 1st was the anniversary. Kathy was my first employee and was the anniversary of her being at the film fest for a year. So before she came, I was running a single day festival and I was converting an elementary middle school into a theater. And like my mom was taking tickets and my dad was serving beer and Steve and like our friends were running AV and it was so janky. Um, it was awesome. Uh, but now we're in a proper theater and like have proper sound equipment and it's, it's pretty awesome. So yeah, this is our second year of our flagship festival and I'm super psyched. That's awesome. So does that mean you have, if that's the flagship festival, there are other festivals or showings throughout the country? Yeah. So we actually, we tour worldwide and, and our tour is the reason. So we've been entirely self-funded from the beginning. Um, and that's solely due to our tour. And so between January and today, like we've done almost 70 screenings around the world. Um, and so we end up doing like a like a hundred plus every year all over, and we go from like Chicago to all over Canada. Like we're working on one in Argentina and Chile right now, and so it's that's that's the the other part of no man's land. Wow! So that sounds like it's a ton to keep you busy with. Yeah, and luckily, like Kathy handles all that. She's really good at it because she loves talking to people and. Like, I just remember, like, she forwarded me an email once and, and from, a, from her conversation with the host, and she was like, much love, Kathy. And I was like, Kathy, like, why are you – do you send all your emails with much love? And she was like, oh, no, just the ones that I, like, become really good friends with. So in addition to being tour coordinator and managing all of these stops, she's also making best friends all over the world, <laughs> which is awesome. <laughs> that's funny that's yeah. really funny yeah I love her. <laughs> uh, it's it's great when you have passionate people who see the vision and support the vision and um you know really uh high achieving employees like that that's amazing mm-hmm. i'm really lucky yeah so a lot of our listeners are marketing managers and creatives um or they work in editorial so What's your advice to these people who kind of have a little bit of power behind bigger brands uh, to maybe make include more women or make make the outdoors a more inclusive landscape? Like, what do you notice through the film festival that people could put into their the work they do on the on the daily? 
That's an awesome question. I, I think the first, the first thing that I would say is we have to stop calling out when we are diversifying our media. Cause I feel like, like so often we, I don't know, like, like there was, um, like the Patagonia post and they featured, I forget if it was Mikhail, I think it was, but bouldering and Bishop, um, and it was more or less like one of the first people of color they ever included in their branding and in just any media they were putting out. And they didn't say anything about it, which I thought was really, really cool. And they just treated it as another photo um, versus like I've definitely seen other brands. They're like, like we celebrate women, like, look, look at us doing it. And I think that ultimately that undermines this entire mission of, of diversifying the outdoors and diversifying media because it still is, it's not normalized if you have to call it out. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think the other thing too is we've gotten, we now have kind of these figureheads who fill the role of woman of color, climber, um, LGBTQ woman, I don't know, cyclist. Like, and I feel like we have now, which is awesome that that people have this platform now. People who who historically did not. Um, but we've got to be so much better about not just using these same fifteen people for every photo shoot, for every opinion piece, for every outside magazine article, you know, it's like, yes, these people are doing incredible work, but behind them are thousands of other people doing the same work. And by highlighting these 15 people from these historically marginalized communities, again, you're undermining that whole mission of like, everyone's not doing it. Just these 10 people are. Mm -hmm. So yeah, Mm -hmm. those are the two things I think about a lot. Uh, so that's, that's a really interesting thing as well, because on the agency side where I'm at, we get asked to find, like, can you find some diversity for our photo shoots? And, you know, and we live in Whitefish, Montana, uh, (laughs) we also have a outpost in Colorado, but you know, these are, these are places that it might be a little bit more difficult to find, you know, a group of diverse people that can all meet for a photo shoot at this exact same time during the week. Um, it's really difficult. And, uh, what's like, what's your thought on that when people go out and like force it? Yeah. I mean, that's such a funny, I think about that a lot. Cause with diversify outdoors, that's literally what we do is brands come to us and we're like, Oh, you should talk to X, Y, and Z, or we can put together X, Y, and Z for you. Um, and I think like the conversation that we've been having as we're growing is, is entertaining and and really just having a conversation with the brand and making sure that this is a sustainable, mm, I don't know if sustainable is the right word, but making sure that it's a genuine effort and it's something that's going to be continued versus being like, you know, we just need these shots for our summer catalog and, and, and then never again because we checked off our diversity quota for the year. Um, and, and so Danielle, my partner, and I have, have talked about that a lot. Is like, do you, have, do you have these larger conversations? How do you have these larger conversations? So 
for that, like on one end, I think it's really good that people are making that effort. But I think without having a conversation behind it, even if it's just something as simple as like, oh, you want diversity? Like, what do you mean? Because um, mm-hmm. I think people are, are getting very wrapped up and they're like, oh, diverse. And it's like, are you thinking of like an African-American woman? Are you thinking of a man of size? Like, like, what do you mean? And then also like, does this actually relate to your brand? In some brands, maybe their thing like really is just athletic white people. Um, so like, does this actually fit with what you're trying to do? (laughs) Yeah, it is. I think it, it's a good step, uh, to normalizing it, like normalizing a more diverse landscape and making it feel more welcome to people who do have, you know, the barriers to entry, like going into a bike shop for the first time is hard for anyone. Um, you know, and so I think, I think forcing it is a good step into normalizing what that landscape looks like. Yeah. Yeah. But it is, uh, it it can be quite the challenge on our end. (laughs) Yeah. I bet. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that's, uh, an interesting perspective too on the filmmaking side is do you, what's you, uh, have you ever seen any um, patterns or trends about the people who are behind the cameras on the filmmaking side of things? Yes, it is. (laughs) It's just a lot of like white dudes, which love them, Mm -hmm. love their work, love what they've done. So part of what we do at Pitch Fest is to get more, just support female filmmakers. Cause what's interesting, what I've seen is a trend in overall in the films that have come out and and also keeping in mind that when I started the film fest I spent two years looking for films and came up with three hours and that was literally everything that ever existed and now we have an abundance of content and which is amazing but keeping that in mind like one of the things that I am noticing is I've seen the majority of the films that I see are shot by a man um, typically a white male. And typically it's, it's not a project that makes it to their website or is really included in their reel. And it is almost like an interview style piece where like the typical formula is you start, you see the woman's face. She's prepping for her adventure all the while has like a voiceover about how, how, what this adventure means to her, why it's, important how something traumatic may have happened to her and now she's overcome and it's it's these like singled out portraits of women which I think is so important and need to be shared but we're also getting to the point where where like I said earlier like all that it's doing is I feel like one it's it's somewhat tokenizing and two it's also it's it's not creating a normalized feel because it's not women it's not people doing things who just happen to be women and they're on an incredible adventure. Instead, it's an interview with this one woman who's doing this one thing and she's a woman and that's why it's cool. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Instead of focusing on the adventure. And, exactly. Yeah, it focuses it, on the person. Yeah, and it's it's really interesting. And unfortunately, like, like we have a wider diversity of films with white women in them where we have like two expedition films that we're getting this year, which are the first that I've seen in a long time since our first year, or I guess we have three. 
Um, but then with the women of color, they are all very much in that singular style. And we've gotten, and people notice that and we've gotten a lot of feedback. And it's, I think it's challenging to see as a person of color watching these films, there, there isn't that community there. It's very much like you are alone on your bike, like good luck. Um, yeah. Well, that's, that's an interesting call out. Yeah. And I mean, at, everyone's gonna, I mean, we're always going to be doing something wrong. And unfortunately, we're sharing, fortunately, well, really, like, the filmmakers we work with, the content we have, the creatives we work with, they're all incredible. Um, but we're not, we don't have that much control. We're really just curating with what exists. And so we're getting more into the role of creation. Um, but it's, it's a big step to, to be creating content as well as running the festival. So what the films that we show are really representative of all of the media that is being created featuring women in outdoor and adventure sports. And now time for another commercial break. Are you a woman with a camera who wants to up her photography skills in the outdoor industry? Sign up for a workshop at wheelhouseworkshops.com. These are creative action sports workshops designed for women by women with the intent of helping elevate women in the creative outdoor action sports space. What that means is one day of on snow, shooting professional female athletes and learning from the best lady photographers in the business, followed by a day of post-production and an art show showing your best work. It's super fun, it's awesome. The next one is going to be in Jackson Hole. Stay tuned, you can sign up for more information and to get notified about the next event at wheelhouseworkshops.com. Have you, uh, by chance, heard about the workshops that we put on for women? No. Okay, so we, I started this kind of uh, side business this year called Wheelhouse Workshops, where we teach creative action sports photography workshops to women to try to help um, get more women with cameras in their hands and more women's points of views behind the lens. And so we bring in the top female action sports photographers and female athletes and have a big day on snow and a big day editing photos. And then we have a big art show and, um, it's really cool. But the reason I did that is because every time I was trying to hire out a photographer for a special project or, um, you know, any, any time I was contracting photographers, they were always male. And I was like, where are the ladies and why can't we, um, you know, get more, more women behind the camera. Um, so I went down this crazy deep wormhole trying to figure out why there was a lack of women behind cameras. If it was like too technical or too heavy when you're hiking around, like, and I just couldn't figure it out. And I called so many different sources and tried to put together research groups and that information just wasn't there, but, um, we're doing our best to change it, even though I'm not sure why it, why that is like an anomaly, but trying to get more women behind the camera. That's amazing. That is so awesome. Good for you. I, I mean, that is that just makes my heart sing. That is so needed and so important. I, I love it. Fuck yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting because that really makes us focus on not so much the subject, like here's the story we're going to go capture. It's more like, hey, 
here's the best way to capture it. Like, let's enable you go create whatever you want to create, tell the stories that you want to tell and show the world the, what you're seeing behind, behind your lens. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was exciting. And we had our first giant workshop at Snowbird and, uh, I, I still get emails from participants of that workshop. They're like, I quit my job. I'm pursuing photography full time. I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. When is your next one? Um, our next one's going to be in Jackson this winter. I'm not, okay. uh, I don't have a solid date yet, but we're definitely putting it in Jackson Hole. That's awesome. Let me know when it's up and I'll share it with everybody. Okay, I will. <laughs> and then like eventually we want to bring more film into it as well. So I'll hit you up about that. Oh, I love it. That's so awesome. Yeah. You know, because I do, I think like with with film especially, there's so much complexity because there is the camera and then there's, um, you know, the so the actual camera skills, but then the story and being able to craft something meaningful and have, you know, walk the audience through a story arc and it becomes a lot of creative writing and, you know, it, it becomes so big that I think film is the absolute most difficult craft there is on the creative side. And uh, I'm curious, do you ever, do you ever get behind the camera and are you trying to tell any stories? Oh, uh, yes. Um, that is, that's the one thing that, I mean, like my ultimate takeaway from the film festival and not even really like an intentional takeaway or one that I really wanted, but I feel this really deep responsibility to create content that I feel like is more representative of a woman's experience in the outdoors. Cause I see all of it and I'm like, Ooh, like this is kind of off topic, but like, I'm not someone who like, who identifies with the films that are sunsets with like a poetic voiceover, like that's not my jam at all. Like I can't do it. Um, And so I started a production company with two of my girlfriends called Riveter. And and we're actually in, we started a little, probably like we've been talking about it for the last six months and then are really putting pen to paper the last couple months and are working on a couple projects that we can't share right now, but will be out we're hoping by next, by next year. Ooh. Yeah. I'm super excited. And yeah, I can't wait. Cause I, I love it. And I can't, I'm like by no means an incredible filmmaker, but I think that with a compelling enough story and well, that's really it. Just a compelling enough story. That's it. Have, did you ever see, um, Kyle Dempster's film, the road to Caracol? Oh no, I haven't seen that. It's, I mean, it's, it's definitely the best, the best film that I've ever seen. Um, and it premiered a couple years ago at five point and he was there, which was very cool. Um, but it's, it's mostly shot on a GoPro and like with a little handheld camera and it's about a bike packing trip that he does through the caracol and it's a mate, it's amazing. And I, it, it was, I think it was so refreshing to see that because I think there's so many aspiring filmmakers and you get really bogged down by you don't have $7,000 or even $50,000 to spend on a camera. And so if your story is not good enough, you really do have to rely on that quality. Or if you're not even, that's not fair, but if you're uncomfortable with storytelling or editing or something like that, you can really fall back on having beautiful imagery. Mm-hmm. And I think being able to remove that and take away, to kind of compromise the imagery and really focus on the story, I think is an amazing gift. Absolutely. And, and having, 
kind of like lovably imperfect characters because that's really what everyone in the world is is yeah lovably imperfect totally everyone's messy and weird and freaky and it's like that's what i love (laughs) (laughs) cool i will have to check out uh his film so what are you uh with your production company are you actually out there capturing the content are you more editing what what's your role in that yeah so so the two girls that i I'm working with one is a photographer by profession, does film work. The other one is also a photographer, but is a designer. Like she does 3D designs, graphic design, and the other one also does marketing. So together, like they have all the skills. So I'm in this really neat position where I get to basically supply the stoke mm-hmm. and do whatever I want. If it's like, because we were talking about it the other day and I was like, you know, I really, I want to, I want to better my film skills. And I was like, I'm going to go borrow my friend's camera and like shoot some stuff and see how it goes. And so it's cool. So I, since they're so locked into what they do and that's what they really like to do, I can just weave in between. So like I do a little bit of filming. I edit. Last year I didn't edit the No Man's Land trailers, but I do a lot of edits for No Man's Land and really enjoy that. Um, But yeah, so I'm still trying to figure out exactly within the film realm where my greatest skills are and then the ones that I also want to build upon. So it's all kind of a free for all right now. That's awesome. I'm psyched. I love it. That's really exciting. I, uh, I love production so much. And now that my company has grown so much, I find myself in more meetings and doing a lot more estimating and, um, I don't know, just like business things instead of out there with cameras, like hanging over rivers and flying drones. And so like, it's a little heartbreaking as that success grows that uh, it kind of pulls you off the production floor. And uh, so I always try to keep, keep projects going. Cause it's like, if you feel like you have to create, then you have to create. Yeah. I, I love that. And I feel like um, that's just, I feel like everyone I know, like who gains any kind of business success, like that's their story. You know, they're like, oh, like I'm, I'm the one in the meetings. I'm the one behind the computer all the time. So that's so great to hear that you've found some kind of balance and can still get out. Oh yeah. It's cause it's tough out there, but, uh, you know, and then also just the work-life balance of being in the outdoors, not just talking about the outdoors, but actually going out and experiencing your life and your adventures. Um, so how do you, what do you do for your work-life balance and adventure seeking? I am like the worst balancer in the world. I, I can't, I can't, I can't do it. Like I, I literally will take like three days off and run every day and write every day and be so psyched and maybe work like like maybe five hours and I'm literally just like dragging myself to the computer and then there'll be other days and right now I'm in one of these now where it's like over like a couple weeks straight and all I do is sit on my computer and I'll like sit on my deck because that counts as going outside and and soon I will have another full explosion and I'll hate the film fest and I'll want to get outside and I'll disappear and then I'll come back and it'll be fine. (laughs) so if you have any tips like I would love like I do yoga I meditate like I drink lemon water and I just can't figure it out so (laughs) I need more lemon water (laughs) I'm a lost cause (laughs) lemon water's not working (laughs) exactly (laughs) 
<laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah, it's it's really tough because you want to, uh, you know, obviously maintain that like hardcore um, elite mindset in your outdoor pursuits and then work gets in the way when you're growing something and um, working hard toward it. So totally, it, it's a never, never ending cycle, I think. Yeah. And that's the, that is literally, that's the number one question people ask me. It's like, how do you do it all? I'm like, I like, I wish I could tell you something inspirational, (laughs) but I, I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's okay though. No one has any idea what they're doing. That's what I keep telling myself. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I always found that like, uh, when I lived in Crested Butte, I was really snowboarding nonstop every day and ski bumming it and pursuing that uh, potentially as a career. And I was like very, very into like powder days and rope drops and like, get out of my way. I got to get the line. I got to get the first line. And um, at one point I just started feeling selfish and I was like, I can give it back to the world instead of just take all the good lines, you know? And I started shifting what about what I cared about um, and how I showed up in the world. And do you like, do you find that as well where like that skiing, hardcore skiing every day, charging as hard as you could some, at some point just kind of lost its magic. And then that's when you started focusing on the film festival or are you still, able to do both. I mean, absolutely. That was a lot of the reason why I started it. Cause I felt like I was, I was very much raised to like, like in, in a big pillar of Buddhism is, is, is how will I serve? Like, like what will I give back? And I was so fortunate to be born like white passing middle-class Carbondale, Colorado. I, I got, I got the jackpot. Um, and so I did start the film fest because I was raft guiding. I was running, I was trying to be a professional skier. I was ski racing and I was teaching skiing and I was like, this is awesome. Um, and yeah, and it was just that eventually I was like, one, I'm so worn down that in, in me pursuing these sports or guiding or whatever I was doing, I wasn't sharing that love. So one was, was I was being a, a disservice to my clients and also to my friends who I was going out with. And then, yeah, and so the film fest really came from that of I, I really want to give that feeling to other people. And I, I'm so fortunate to know that I can go out, like I can go out for a 20-mile run and get that whole feeling and feel so connected and, and all of my passion for the environment and for the world and for adventure is reignited. And I can do that in a day and then I can go back to work. And so many other people, that, that feeling is so much less accessible And so knowing that I can, one, that I can take care of my own needs pretty simply, but I, I, yeah, I'm way more at this point, I'm way more invested in giving someone else that feeling once than pursuing it constantly. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm trying. (laughs) There are days where I like, I live right on the bike path and I'll watch people like biking and skateboarding and running and sometimes I just stare at them and I'm like, oh, like I hate you. <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> and my husband is like, uh, I don't, we've like gone the racetrack. We've, I don't know what it is. It's like, we're not content just doing something for fun. Like everything has to be a race and you have to like 
I don't know, train. And he's gotten way into cycling. And so he's constantly like, our whole downstairs is full of bikes. He's always riding, like beating a time, like doing this new trail, like downloading new routes. And so it's, it's also like having a partner like that is so inspiring. And then at the same time, I'm like, damn, like I want to do that too, but I can't. Not right now. Yeah. So you're building yeah. stuff. I'm building. <laughs> I'm building. Which is a form of creativity in itself. So just, you know, that's pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. Well, one last question for you is uh, if you could give advice to any filmmakers out there who um, want to enter a film into No Man's Land Film Festival, what's what's your advice to them and how, what's that process look like? Yeah, so the way that I, I screen films is if I have to check the time bar in the first like four minutes of your film, then it's probably not going to make it in because it's not engaging. And so on that, and, and I think that's true from whom I've talked to. Like, I think that that's a pretty true sentiment of, of a lot of other film festivals. If you're like counting the time, you're like, mm, maybe this isn't the best choice. So with that being said, like that'll tie back to what I said earlier, like find a story and then fuck the equipment. Like if you don't have it right, at least go out and try and capture it the best that you can. Cause even if the project is totally unusable, at least now you have more skills to do, to either do it again or do something else. So, and my husband went to school for photography and it drives me crazy that this is his advice, but I'm going to say it. It's like, best camera you have is the one that's with you. And if you don't use it and you don't bring it, you're not going to create anything. So just try something and then send it to me and I'll tell you what I think. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. And uh, we will post everywhere everyone can find you on Instagram and websites and uh, so people can look for that in the show notes and uh, yeah thank you so much for your time thank you for having me I really appreciate it that's a wrap thanks so much to Asia for being here and thank you to you for listening to the podcast Uh, you can follow Asia on Instagram her personal handle is at Aisha Weinhold, A-I-S-H-A-W-E-I-N-H-O-L-D. She is a smiley person. I like following her. And uh, also you can follow No Man's Land Film Festival. That's just at No Man's Land Film Festival, as well as no, Man, no Man's Land Film Festival.org. And they are doing all kinds of cool stuff over there. So make sure you follow them. Tune in next week when we have Kenzie Rodriguez on the podcast. Kenzie is the head of marketing at Outdoor Pro Link and just one of the most well-spoken, conscious, thoughtful people I've ever met. So check her out and here's a sneak peek. My boss described me like one of the words that she used to describe me was creative. And I had never really kind of thought of myself in that light because I had always been taught that you're like, sciencey or artsy, you know? Um, and I think for people that are kind of in between like me, marketing is actually a really awesome place to go because a lot of it is really analytical. There's a lot of reporting, there's a lot of strategy, 
But there's also really creative elements of it, you know, coming up with a marketing campaign. Even if you're not directly like designing a graphic, it's still a really creative art. So it's been fun for me to spread my wings. And honestly, like I really had no choice but to get into graphic design because unless you're working at like Black Diamond with million dollar marketing budgets, like you're not going to have a whole team of designers for every campaign you do, right? Like I am the person at Outdoor Pro Link. And if something is getting designed, it's by me. So it's, it's gotta be, you know, I gotta like do the YouTube tutorials and figure out how the fuck to work Photoshop. And that's been fun. (laughs) 